come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall, chauffeur of this ominous omnibus, which makes unscheduled stops for terror, suspense, and murder. The life of man, according to the ancient Greeks, was a thread. A thread that passed through the hands of the three goddesses of fate. The first was Clotho, who spun the thread. The second was Lachesis, who wove the design. And the third was Atropos, grim, implacable Atropos, who used the sharp and terrible shears. Atropos, who cut the thread of life for all eternity. I don't want you to go. Why not? I told you why not. I can foresee the future, and I know the plane will crash and you'll be killed. You know this? Yes, Ted. I saw it in a dream. I'd like to test your powers of prophecy. You say you see what's going to happen to me 12 days from now, on March 12th. I've seen it. You get killed at the airport. Tell me, what else did you see? What was on the stock market page? Who won the races at Starlight Park? Well, that's not... That's what? You say you can foresee the future. I can, Ted. Believe me. I will. If you can tell me what stock to buy. Well, I'm waiting. mystery drama, The Ideas of March, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Nina Foch and Les Tremaine. Albert Einstein had a theory. It was called Relativity. Although it changed the scientific thinking of the world, less than a handful of people can actually understand it. One facet of it says, in a general way, if you travel at the speed of light, the past, the present, the future, become all tangled up with each other. In a general way, then, this could mean that the future has already happened, off somewhere, and it's waiting for us to catch up with it. Well, then, is it possible, somehow, to catch a glimpse of it? There are people who say we do, in dreams. The problem is, most people's dreams are mixed up, confused and obscure, as were the dreams of Cassandra Morrow, until very recently, until last night. Last night, she had a dream that was so clear, so precise, so real, 7 o'clock in the morning, the morning of March 12th, a morning that is still almost two weeks in the future. Ted is gulping down a cup of coffee, and and we we are having an argument, a very bad argument. Now, you just have time to get to the airport. Ted, please don't go. Oh, what's the matter with you? Don't shout at me. Oh, please be sensible, be reasonable, be rational. Why can't you believe me? What am I to tell Mr. Henderson? I can't go to Chicago because my wife had a bad dream. You won't live to get to Chicago. That plane will crash on takeoff. Cassie, this is the biggest day of my life. If you go to the airport, it will be the last day of your life. Henderson has called a special meeting of the board of directors. These important people are coming in from all over the country to meet me. Me! Do you know what that means? Don't go. 
I saw the flames. I heard the sirens. Oh, damn. You've made me so nervous I've spilled coffee all over my new jacket. The jacket? Look, he's got brown flecks. No one will notice it. The jacket? How could I have known about the jacket, Ted? Look, call your mother or my mother and have lunch. The jacket, the cop, the sign. How could I have known all that? Cassie, you just don't want to face the truth. What truth? Deep down in your heart, you don't want me to take the job. That isn't true. Go tomorrow. The meeting is today. Telephone. Say, say you're sick. I can't. Say I'm sick. Oh, I don't know what's gotten into you. You better call up Dr. Miller for an appointment. I saw it all so clearly. Look, I, I, I can't argue anymore. I have to make the plane. I'll be home for dinner. Might as well drive my own car to the airport. Goodbye, Cassie. Ted! I'm going, and that's all there is to it. I'll call you from Chicago. Ted! Ted! I want to stop dreaming, but I can't. I hear the car starting up in the driveway. What an incredible dream I'm having. Never was there such detail. I could hear the percolator. The ticking of the clock. There was a whippoorwill that started his song outside the window every morning. And now I heard him, too. Ted's car pulls out of the driveway. I had to stop him. I would stop him. I'll catch him before he gets to the airport. I back my car out of the driveway. I race with the turnpike. I disregard stop signs, traffic lights. And it isn't long before I hear... Okay, lady. Let me see your license and registration. Officer, I don't have time. You'll just have to make the time. Who are you trying to kill? I I have to save my husband. You have to save your husband. (laughs) I thought I heard them all. Okay, let's hear this one. I have to stop my husband before he gets to the airport. Why? Because he'll be killed. How? There's going to be an accident. There's going to be an accident? Yes. How do you know? I had a dream. You what? I had a dream. Hey, what are you trying to handle? Oh, please believe me. Now, look, miss. That's Mrs. I'm Mrs. Morrow, and I have to save my husband. I just cannot sit here. I'm afraid you'll just have to sit here. You're in no condition to drive that car. Now, you just sit there quietly, and I'm going to radio back for someone to come along and help. Officer, please. Now, lady, you just sit there and uh, look at that sign. See the billboard about the new picture at the drive-in. See, it says, Endless Love, starring Robert Gaylord, a very handsome guy. Why don't you think about him while I go... I won't sit here. Stop! Wait a minute! Stop! I floor the pedal. The needle springs violently to the right, to where it had never been before. All the way to the right-hand edge of the gauge. No one could ever catch me, but I had to catch Ted. The car rattles and shudders. The whole world seems to twist and spin crazily. And then I see the nightmare flashing of red and blue lights, the terrible howling of the sirens, and my own voice suddenly rises to a scream that drowns everything out. I'm too late. It has already happened. I see Ted's body, mangled, bloody, Lifeless, and my scream dies to a moan, a low and terrible moan. Oh, Cassie, Cassie, oh. wake up, Angel, uh. wake up, uh. Oh. Oh. darling, darling, wake up. You're having a bad dream. Uh. Uh. A dream. 
A dream. Yes. It was a dream. <laughs> All a dream. Something really must have scared you. Yes. Yes, it was... Uh, it was... Tell me about it. Oh, it was so clear, so exact. You know, sometimes you dream and it feels so real. Well, what was it? Oh, it was silly. Tell me. No. Oh, why not? Because I would dearly love to forget it. And if I talk about it, I I might dream it again. And Oh, I'm so tired. Well, you should be worn out from that dream. Uh, I just want to get back to sleep again. Ted? Yes, indeed. Dinner ready? I never even heard you leave the house this morning. Well, you had a rough night. Thought I'd let you sleep. I hope you made yourself some breakfast. I didn't starve. You feeling okay? Why shouldn't I be feeling okay? Well, you had a very bad dream. Seemed to take something out of you. I was worried about you all day at the office. Well, if you were so worried, why didn't you call? Why didn't I call? <laughs> to call or not to call, that was the question. What question? Well, first, I was tied up all day. And second, I wanted to tell you about it in person. Tell me about what? Tell you that I'm going to be named vice president in charge of production. Ted! Vice President Ted, if you please. You mean it's going to happen? It's already happened. Sterling sent in the recommendation to Mr. Big Wheel himself, oh. Henderson, in Chicago. Vice President! Money, bonus, stock options, the whole works. <laughs> I have become what is known as management. You know how people talk about they... I have now become a they. <laughs> oh, we'll have to move, won't we? Sure. Can the vice president in charge of production for international minerals reside in a three-bedroom ranch in West Valley? No. We'll have to live up to it. Oh, I like it here. You'll like it better where you're going. When does it become official? Thursday, 12th of March. The 12th of March? That's the fateful day. I'll give you a rundown. On 7 a.m. Thursday, March 12th, I drive out to the airport, and I board the 8 o'clock to Chicago. What did you say? I haven't said anything yet. Listen, there will be a luncheon session of the board of directors, at which time I shall be named VP in charge of production. In... in Chicago? Well, of course. Why? Why? Cassie, that's where the international headquarters of the company happen to be. Ted... Something uh, wrong? Oh, I don't know. Well, then something has to be wrong. What is it? I, I don't know what to say. Please, tell me. Well, I don't know how. Well, try. You know that dream I had last night? I dreamed that it was ten days from now. The, mor the Thursday morning of March 12th. Well, that's a coincidence. And I dreamed I tried to stop you from going to the airport. But why? Because... Because there would be an accident and you would be killed. That's what I dreamed. Oh. Well, I <laughs> I hope you woke up before anything drastic occurred. No, I didn't wake up. Not until I had seen the ambulances and the emergency crews and... And what? And I saw you dead. Are you sure I was dead? Please. Don't make me talk about it. Oh, don't make me think about it. It was horrible. Well, forget it. Why did I have a dream like that, Ted? Why should I dream that? 
that you would die in an airplane accident on March 12th. I don't know. You're probably scared of me flying when you heard that I was scheduled to go to Chicago. No, no, Ted, you're not listening. This was last night before I knew you were going to Chicago on the 12th. Before you knew. Darling, there's an explanation for everything. Well, how do you explain this? Well, let's see if we can analyze the thing. Uh, March 12th, what, if anything, is significant about that date? Does March 12th mean anything to you? No. March 12th? Um, uh, oh, of course. What is it? I know why you don't want me to go to Chicago. Why? Because that's where Marcella Thornton lives. Oh, Marcella. I haven't thought about her in years. Oh, is that so? You forget that Marcella and I were supposed to be married 12 years ago. On what date? March 12th? Oh, but Ted, I knew it was over between you and Marcella. I knew you chose me. Uh, but a little residue of doubt may still be lurking in your subconscious. Oh, it was 12 years ago, the 12th of March. All those 12s coming up must have overwhelmed you. No, no, Ted, no. Nothing inside of me brought this on. It was as if I had been allowed to live in the future. And I had a glimpse of what was going to happen. Oh, you don't believe that, do you? I mean, you're a sensible, rational woman. You know, you just know you can't see into the future. Now admit it. Well... Look, on the basis of that dream, do you want me to cancel the trip? Well? Uh, no, I suppose not. Why don't we forget it? Incidentally, there was a sale at Ross Myers. I picked up a honey of a jacket. Oh, it's about time you need new clothes. Yeah, let me open the package. Oh. I was thinking of wearing this to Chicago. They're a very informal group. Oh, no, wait. Ted, wait. Before you open the package, see if I can tell you what color it is. It's gray with brown flecks. Well, how did you know? <laughs> you must have been spying on me. There, see? Oh! It's exactly the way you described it. Ted, that jacket. That's the jacket you were wearing in my dream. That's the jacket you were wearing on Thursday morning, the 12th of March. When you see into the future, you have to see it all. All the basic details, all the fine points, all the odds and ends. What are we dealing with here, anyhow? Is it coincidence? Or is it out-and-out -out prophecy? We always play fair. You might consider her name. For example, do you know who Cassandra was? Well, we'll explore it all further when I return in just a few moments with Act Two. What is the difference between the oracle at Delphi of the ancient Greeks and your own psychiatrist? The oracle stated that your dreams reveal your future. Your psychiatrist will contend that your dreams illuminate your past. Albert Einstein reconciled the two by saying both past and future can exist at the same time. Is everything clear? It is to Cassie Morrow, who had a terrible dream the other night. It's a coincidence. I dream that you're killed at the airport. I dream you're wearing a jacket that you hadn't bought yet, that I'd never seen before. Now, how do you account for that? I'm scared. Cassie, be sensible. 
that's what you said to me in the dream. Be reasonable. You said that too. Well, be rational. Be sensible, be reasonable, be rational. That's exactly what you said to me. Oh, Ted, I'm so frightened. Well, I... I don't know what to tell you. Look, hadn't you better see Dr. Miller? You told me to do that in the dream, too. Well, doesn't that make sense, dear? I don't know. All right. Let me... I'm trying to think what it all means. It has to mean something. Thanks, Ted. Thanks for not saying I'm being silly. Well, the fact is, you you are being silly. It's just I'm being the concerned husband. Uh... Here's what I'll do. I can't promise anything, but in a roundabout diplomatic way, I'll ask Sterling if there's any chance the meeting could be shifted a day earlier, a day later. Oh, Ted, could you do that? I don't know if I can, but I can ask. Hello? Cassie, I, um... What is it, Ted? Uh, look, on this thing, this dream of yours... Well... Well, what? I I couldn't even bring it up. Sterling hit me first thing. He said March 12th is going to be a big event at the company. They're even bringing in the European people, and I I just couldn't... Well, I I I couldn't ask. Oh, Ted, you must. Honey, everybody has bad dreams, and this is the 20th century. I I mean, look, maybe you had better go see Dr. Miller. And what will he tell me? I don't know. Somebody has to tell you something that'll make sense. How do you account for my seeing his jacket, Doctor? Especially since I didn't even know he'd bought it. How could I describe the color and the design? Oh, the colors, the design, the cut flattering to your husband. Well, yes. Is it the kind of jacket you would have selected? I suppose so, Doctor, but... That could have explained it. But the dream, it was so real. Mrs. Morrow, do you want your husband to be the vice president in charge of production for international minerals? Oh, what does that have to do with... Please, answer the question. We were married 12 years ago. A few months later, Ted went to work for International. We've been aiming at that job ever since. I didn't ask you what you were aiming at. I asked you what you wanted. I want what Ted wants. Now, about what you want. Life is more than what a person does for a living, or it should be. On the way to your goal, perhaps you found a way of life that appealed to you. Friends, a community. Maybe you really don't want to leave it. Well, what would that have to do with my dream? Everything. You knew Ted was being promoted. This is how you tried to stop him. Well, that might make sense if... If if I knew. But you see, I didn't know. I dreamed this dream the night before Ted told me about the promotion. You knew. You knew about the promotion. How? Now, how could I know? Ted sensed things were coming to a head at the office. It made him tense, nervous. After 12 years of marriage, people don't have to say things. You interpreted those signs. Neither of you had to speak. Well... I I don't know. What you're asking me to believe is that you were able to see into the future. Isn't that so? Yes. Yes, that's so. Now, you should realize that uh, such a thing is impossible. Why? 
Why is it impossible? Because uh, such things are not humanly... <laughs> well, it just doesn't happen. You mean no one has ever been able to foresee a distant event? Well, I would say so. How about these people you read about in the papers? These people who foretold... My dear Mrs. Morrow, you want to indulge in quackery? I know all about people who claim to have foretold the assassination of a president or the breaking out of a war, but does anyone keep score of their predictions? How many never happened? What is their batting average? Well, still, there are people who have had premonitions of... Of what? Of some disaster, usually? <laughs> the death of a loved one? Well, yeah. what about it? If you keep worrying about something constantly, and one day it happens of its own accord, that... That's not prediction. That's, uh, that's coincidence. I know. I know all the arguments are against me. But I know I saw it all so plainly. I'm trying to tell you why. You don't want him to go. I wouldn't stand in the way of his becoming VP in charge of production. That's something less than a ringing endorsement. And then, of course, we have Marcella. No. Now I deny that completely. Is Marcella married? I... I don't think so. Well, is she? Well, no. What is she doing now? Mm, she's editor of a fashion magazine in Chicago. When did you see her last? I, I never really met Marcella. Oh, then you, uh, you never saw her. Oh, well, I, I did see her. It was a few days ago, on a TV panel show. Oh. And how did she look? Beautiful. So, here we have Marcella, beautiful, surrounded by glamour, while you have been Mrs. Housewife these past 12 years. Did Ted see the show with you? Yes. Hmm. What did Ted say? He said, there's Marcella, as beautiful as ever. Hmm. Did he uh, discuss her after the show was over? No. Well, did he say anything else about her? You mean all he made was that one remark? Yes. But you couldn't help thinking that, uh, quietly, he was comparing the two of you. I didn't think anything of the sort. And didn't you think, oh, my Lord, I hope he never goes to Chicago? I, I'm not worried about it. I know he chose me. And we have 12 years together. And they mean something. Mrs. Morrow, I think you must come to grips with your insecurity. You're afraid of Marcella. All I know is I had a dream. I saw my husband killed. It's not what you saw. It's why you saw it. Okay, okay. Let's say it's nothing more than my subconscious insecurity. Okay. But how could I dream the details? The details of the future. The jacket. You've already accounted for the jacket. How about... How about the other details? Well, such as? The police officer. He stopped me just outside the drive-in movie at the turnpike. And he said, why don't you look at that sign and fantasize about Robert Gaylord while I get you some help? He said that? Well, I haven't been near the turnpike in weeks. I never go to that drive-in. How would I be able to, to read a billboard, Endless Love Starring Robert Gaylord? How would I see that? Well, there, there must be an explanation. Oh, everybody keeps saying there's an explanation, but nobody explains it. Have you got a phone book? Yes, right over there. Oh, thank you. Turnpike. Turnpike 
drive-in. Uh, here it is. 207-8308. May I? Yes, of course. Everybody says, be rational. Be sensible. I am rational. I am sensible. What I saw was real. And I'll prove it. Turnpike driving. Uh, can you tell me what it says on your marquee? It says what's playing. What else would it say? <laughs> can you tell me what's playing, please? Be my guest. The Love Racket, starring Jenny Bailey. That, that's what it says? Uh-huh. That's what we got showing. I see. Hey, come on up. Bring your husband or boyfriend. Hey, I got a dynamite idea. Bring them both. What is it? Nothing. I was wrong. It was just a dream. Well, of course. I mean, it was just a dream. A dream like any other dream. And it probably means nothing at all. It probably means something. Oh, but it doesn't mean... It, it doesn't mean I foresaw the future. What made you change your mind suddenly? What I was, I was wrong about a significant detail. The movie. So, I could be wrong about all of it. The accident, too. Oh, thank you, Doctor. <laughs> For what? Oh, I feel so much better. But I only felt better for a few minutes. The movie bothered me. I knew what I'd seen on the billboard so clearly, so plainly. And it occurred to me I had better ask that question again and differently. Uh, are you the manager? Yeah, I'm the manager. Oh, you got a beef already? Show hasn't even started. Uh, can you tell me what your billboard will read on Thursday morning, March 12th, nine days from now? What will the attraction be? Oh, lady, you said the magic word, attraction. We're going to have dynamite Robert Gaylord in endless love. And the sign that faces the turnpike... Well, of course, it faces the turnpike. How else would people be able to read it? Will it read, Endless Love, starring Robert Gaylord? Well, what do you want it to read? Those are the facts, ain't they? Yes. Yes, those are the facts. But how could I foresee Robert Gaylord would be playing at the drive-in? Because... He's your favorite actor. But how would I know? A dream is a fantasy world, and you create it. And there are no real foundations for anything. Uh, you wanted that picture to be playing there, so that's what the billboard said. Did I also want you killed in a crash? Well, subconsciously, maybe you're angry at me for something. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> how would I know? It's your subconscious. Ted, I'll tell you what scares me. The tone in your voice. What about it? I never heard it before. I never heard such uh, anger. Well, maybe you never made me really angry before. This is the dream. This is what I saw. Yes, we're getting there. Getting where? I have eight days till the 12th, and we're starting to argue. The way we'll argue that morning, angrily, bitterly. Well, just... Cut it out. I can't help it, Ted. I can't. You want me to refuse to go to Chicago, is that it? Only on the 12th. Well, it's the 12th or nothing. All right, Ted. I don't want you to go. That's it? Yes. Well, I, 
I can't cancel it, Cassie. I just can't. <sighs> what did Dr. Miller say? That's unimportant. What do you mean it's unimportant? Anything anyone says is unimportant. I tell you, I know what's going to happen. Cassie, cut it out. Don't talk to me like that, Ted. You've got to get a hold of yourself. You've got to face the facts. Facts? So far, I'm the only one who's offered any facts at all. The jacket, the movie marquee. Those are facts you created yourself. All right. But there's one fact, one basic fact I couldn't create. Yeah, what's that? It isn't a that. It's a person. It's a he. Who? I have a witness. How could there be a witness to a dream? If I can produce that witness, will you finally believe me? I don't know what you're talking about. But if you can do it, I'll believe it. Who is this person who can vouch for the authenticity of Cassie's dream? If she says there's a person, then she definitely is able to name that person. And since we try to play according to the rules... You know we aren't going to drag in anybody out of left field. That person has to be someone you've already met. But who? I'll be back in just a few moments with Act Three. We deal here with the basic subject of dreams and what they are. And what are they? A kaleidoscope of what has already happened? A churning maelstrom of our hopes, fears, and desires? Or are they windows into the future? Cassie Morrow never thought much about it, one way or another. But right now is all she can think about. Okay, I'm listening. Who can prove you had this dream of yours? Seven o'clock on the morning of the 12th. You storm out of here. Oh, I never stormed out of this house in my life. Oh, you will. You will. We're getting there. We're building up to it. The proof? The guy who can prove it? I followed you in my car. I break every law in the book. Yeah, the world's best driver you never were. Now, now, please, listen. A cop comes up. He pulls me over to the side of the road. I hope he threw the book at you. Oh, please, listen. Oh, it's only a rehash of what you told me. You said a cop stopped you on the way. I know, but let me tell you about him. He was a cop I'd never seen before in my life. So? Now, let us suppose he's a real cop. What if there really is an Officer T.J. Belden? Who is Officer T.J. Belden? The cop who stopped me. You mean he introduced himself? No, I read his nameplate. He had a nameplate on one side and a, and, a, and a marksman's medal on the other. Oh, how many hundreds of cops have nameplates over one pocket and marksman's medals on the other? How many cops are named T.J. Belden? How many cops have red hair, blue eyes, and, and a scar on their chin? Oh, hey, what is this? Your eyes take it all in. Maybe you don't think you notice it. But your eye sees it. And you can recall it if you try. I never saw this cop before in my life. Well, how could you? He doesn't exist. He's a figment of your dream. You created him like you created that billboard. I couldn't create a real live human being. I couldn't create an officer, T.J. Belden. Well, who says he's any more real than the billboard? <sighs> Why don't we find out? How? Ask. Ask whom? Ask at the precinct. Oh, I'm not going to make a fool of myself. You're afraid to face it. I'll do it for you, Ted. Yes, ma'am. We patrol the turnpike between here and the airport. Sergeant, would you have an Officer Belden? A T.J. Belden? Why do you ask, ma'am? 
Well, uh, I... Do you wish to register a complaint? No, 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 not at all. I, I just want to know. Lady, the personnel of any precinct is a matter of record. I couldn't keep it from you. I'm not saying... If it came to it, you could have a lawyer compel the department. No, no, no. I only want to know if an officer named T.J. Belden will be patrolling the turnpike on the morning of the 12th. Uh, uh, look, ma'am, we, uh, <laughs> we have no officer Belden. Oh. I don't know the man. He might go to central headquarters downtown. I see. Thank you. It makes me feel wonderful to hear that. Thank you again. Now, finally, the thing could be laid to rest. If a dream is to be more than a fantasy, then all the details must be real. And if I had fantasized an officer, T.J. Belden, then I could have fantasized the rest. And I was feeling wonderful as I walked out the door. And then I saw him coming in. A tall reddish-haired cop with blue eyes, a scar on his chin, a marksman's medal over his right shirt pocket, and a nameplate over the left which read T.J. Belden. I thought my heart would stop. I stood by the doorway. I watched him approach the desk. Uh, Patrolman T.J. Belden, Sergeant. I'm being transferred on the 12th here, my uh, papers. Uh, Belden, huh? Where have I heard that name before? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a minute ago, some dame was asking for you. Dame asking for me? How'd she know I was coming here? He's exactly the way I described him. Now, Ted, what do you say? Oh, I... I, uh, I say there has to be some kind of explanation. Oh, you don't sound so confident. Well, I... Cassie, what am I going to do? Don't go. Well, then I'm through. It's the end of the job. The job isn't for you. In your heart, you don't feel you really want it. It'll only make you... us miserable. You would foresee all this, too, don't you? Don't you... Ted, oh, Ted, sometimes we are allowed a glimpse into the future. By whom? I don't know. I only know what I saw. Ted, the signs are there, all the signs. I did see Officer T.J. Belden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get around that. Well, okay, you win. I won't go. Don't say I win. We win. Just in time for dinner. Steak. Yeah. Oh, you sound low. A drink? No. Well, what happened after you told them you couldn't make it on the 12th? I bet all your fears were groundless. They can't afford to lose a good man for a trivial reason. What did they say when you told them? I didn't tell them. You didn't? But I thought you'd agreed not to go to Chicago. Yes, I did. I did because you scared me. All I told you was the truth. You scared me with Officer Belden. After all, how could you conjure him up out of nothing? I never saw him before in my life. Well, if that's true, then it wasn't a dream. Then it was truly a prophecy. If it's true. If you never saw him before. I never did. But it isn't true. You did see Officer Belden before. That's impossible. Then you brought him back into a dream. But I tell you... Five years ago... 
You were ticketed for driving through a stop sign. I, I, I don't remember. Look, this thing about Belden. It bothered me and bothered me. Why not? My whole future was at stake. So I didn't go to the office. I drove around thinking, just thinking. Then I remembered the traffic ticket. Would you by any chance remember the cop who wrote the ticket? But how could I remember a cop who gave me a ticket five years ago? Mm-hmm. So I went down to the Central Traffic Bureau, and I went through the old records, and I found the ticket. And you know who the arresting officer was? Yeah. None other than T.J. Belden. Thomas Joseph happens to be his full name. Oh. How could I remember the face of, a, of an officer who wrote me a ticket a, a long time ago? You've already asked that question. And it doesn't matter. He's part of your subconscious mind. And so you created him for your dream. You would have me jeopardize my entire career over a silly dream. It's not a silly dream. I've humored you long enough. Oh. And I don't want to hear one more word about it. The days passed and we hardly spoke because what was there to speak about? And then it was the morning of the 12th, the morning I had dreamed about 12 days before. And suddenly it was the dream come to life. Words exploded between us. Be sensible, be reasonable, be rational. What the damn? Spilled coffee all over my new jacket. The jacket? How could I have known about the jacket, Ted? The jacket, the cop, the movie sign. How could I have known? Look, you won't face the truth. Deep down in your heart, you don't want me to go to Chicago. You're afraid of Marcella. You don't want me to take the job. Go, but go tomorrow. I'm going today. And that's all there is to it. I'm living through it again. But this time I'm awake. Wide awake. I'm not dreaming. I know I have to stop him. Stop him somehow before he gets to the airport. Before he gets on that plane. Before that plane takes off. In the dream I was too late. But this time I'll go faster. Okay, lady. Your license and registration. Now, who are you trying to kill? I have to save my husband. I thought I heard them all. Let's hear this one. My husband is going to be killed. Yeah, how? There's going to be an accident. How do you know? I had a dream. You're in no condition to drive that car. Now, sit there while I radio back. Look at the billboard. Endless Love, starring Robert Gaylord. Uh, ah, think about him. I can't sit here. I won't. Hey, wait a minute. Stop! Stop! Once again, I could see him in the rearview mirror. I could see him get into his cruiser and start out after me. But no one could catch me. The whole world seemed to twist and spin crazily. And just up ahead was the blue sedan with the license plate UL58, Ted's car. I hugged the horn. I knew he was looking through a rearview mirror. But he refused to stop. He was trying to escape from me. I pushed down harder on the pedal, and the speedometer needle shot violently over to the right, all the way to the extreme right-hand side of the gauge, to where it had never been before. And suddenly I heard it, the terrible sound of the crash. And for a while I didn't know anything. And then suddenly... All around me, I heard sirens. I could see flashing lights, red and blue. I had been too late. The plane had taken off. Ted was dead. And then I 
saw a familiar face. The helmet, the red hair, the blue eyes, the nameplate. T.J. Belden. And I could hear his voice. I think this woman's alive. Get the ambulance over here. Oh, this is a bad one, Sarge. She rear-ended him at over a hundred miles an hour. Yeah, poor guy, he's gone. According to his wallet, he's a Mr. Ted Morrow. Does she have anything in her purse? Yeah, here's her license. That's funny. Her name is Morrow, too. Cassandra Morrow. Same address. Yeah. Yeah, she said she was trying to stop him. Stop him from what? Stop him from getting killed. Hey, this is the dame. Which dame? The one who was asking about you. How do you figure it? Beats me. Sure beats me. It sure beats me. That's how we dismiss so many things in this world. So many things we don't understand. We can't explain. How many times do we stand without knowing at the edge of quicksand, near the edge of the volcano, within the reach of the jaws of the shark or the fangs of the snake? How many things are hidden and yet just beneath the surface? I shall only be hidden for a few moments, and then I shall return. Teledisc proudly presents the Classical Collection. The Classical Collection. Three hours of the world's best-loved music. Beethoven, Mozart, Tchaikovsky, Chopin. An exquisite four-album library, the Classical Collection comes wrapped in its own gift box with a special program guide only from Teledisc and not in any store. Call 1-800-642-7400. The Classical Collection, your musical treasure for years to come. Call 1-800-642-7400. Operators are standing by. Credit cards accepted and satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. Call 1-800-642-7400 to order your copy of The Classical Collection today. I fell for it. They said, save big on long distance over AT&T. Then I found out they were comparing their discount plan to AT&T's regular prices. Talk about holding back the facts. There were no big savings. They never mentioned AT&T's savings plan. Reach out America. Saves you money 24 hours a day. But not a word. Nada. Guess they wouldn't have much to talk about anymore, huh? People who thought they could do better than AT&T are coming back for the real value. Aren't you glad you never left? AT&T, the right choice. What happened to Cassandra Morrow? She recovered finally. She's raising her children. But uh, she no longer dreams about anything. They say Apollo fell in love with Cassandra and gave her the gift of prophecy. There's also another part to it. When she displeased him, he turned the gift into a curse. Yes, she still was able to foresee the future. But he saw to it that no one would ever believe her. At any rate, never dismiss your dreams. They may be the preview of your future. 
Our cast included Nina Foch, Les Tremaine, Brett Morrison, and Lou Krugman. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. We believe that all men are created equal, yet many are denied equal treatment. We proposed the most sweeping and generous arms control proposal in history. We offered the... Every president has had to face tough decisions in his term of office. Many discussed them with their vice presidents, members of their cabinet and Congress. Other presidents have consulted court decisions or sought advice from special advisors. But only one thing has influenced every presidential decision made in the history of the United States. And that's the Constitution. The Constitution. The words we live by. To receive a free copy of this great document and information about it, write Constitution, Washington, D.C., 20006-3999. A message from the Commission on the Bicentennial of the United States Constitution and the Advertising Council. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. If you're a high school student thinking of quitting before you get your diploma, if you know someone in that situation, please take a moment to listen to...